The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're, we're so glad that you're here with us today on a, on a beautiful Lord's Day. Um, happy summer to all the kids. Uh, school's done now, and uh, uh, you made it, you know. Um, for the parents, nothing really changes. We go to work tomorrow, so. Um, if you have your Bible, you can be opening it to Hosea chapter 2. And we're, we're involved in a series of lessons from the book of Hosea. And we want to uh, look at a passage at the end of Hosea uh, chapter 2 this morning. So I'll begin with the reading of the Word of God. Hosea 2, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the day of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer you will call me my master. For I will remove the names of the balls from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil and they shall answer Jezreel and I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have mercy on no mercy and I will say to not my people, you are my people and he shall say, you are my God. The book of Hosea opens with one of the the strangest calls that we find in the Bible. I mean, we're used to God coming and and, and calling someone to a special task. Uh, He comes to Abraham at the beginning of Genesis, and and he asks him to leave his homeland. And so Abraham is a lifelong immigrant following God wherever he leads. God comes to Moses at at the burning bush and ask him to be his mouthpiece. And so Moses is to go to Pharaoh, and uh, uh, because God hears the cries of his people, and he's to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And God appears to Isaiah in the temple, and the prophet there is reminded of his sinfulness, and he's reminded of the sinfulness of all his people. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, And Jonah gets up and he runs away. But none of these stories really compare to what we find in Hosea. In chapter 1, God calls Hosea to marry a prostitute and to start a family with her. This is Hosea's calling. God 
commissions the, the prophet to go down to the local brothel to find a, a woman of the night and to have children with her. And I'm pretty sure that's the strangest call story that we have in the Bible. Nothing else really comes close to that, you know. Uh, Hosea is a preacher, and he's a preacher that will never be hired by a church. I mean, just, just imagine that interview process. Hosea comes, and, and he preaches, and he gives them his very best sermon. He sits down with the church leaders, and they're really excited. That was a powerful sermon, Hosea. We haven't heard preaching like that in a long time. Tell us more about your family. That's it. I mean, the, the interview's over at that point. <laughs> who's going to hire a preacher whose wife is a harlot? On Saturday night, she's at the brothel. On Sunday morning, she's sitting in church. I mean, it doesn't matter how good a preacher you are. You're, you're not getting hired. And this is Hosea's life. This is what uh, God has called him to. But as strange as it may seem, that there is a purpose behind all of this. Because Hosea is a love story. It is about uh, how God loves his people. And God's love is more than we can imagine. It's a love that, that reaches us wherever we're at. God is love. And the one thing he asks of us is to love him back. In fact, Jesus says this is the greatest command. The one command that is more important than all the others is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we are to be wholly devoted to God. We are to love him with our entire being. And this is our calling. But as we learn in Hosea, it is something that we often fail at. God's love never fails, but our love for him falls short more than we would like to admit. The language that we find here in Hosea chapter 2 is language of love. God is pictured as the husband and Israel as a wife. Later in the New Testament, Jesus is pictured as a groom and the church as his bride. And God says to his people here, I will allure her. I will speak tenderly to her. I will give her vineyards. I will shower her with gifts. And because of this, um, Israel will remember what it was like when she first fell in love with God. She will remember her wedding. She will remember her honeymoon. She will call God husband and not master. And God will renew his vows with Israel. And the past will be forgotten. The infidelity will not be remembered. And so God makes a, a lifelong commitment to his beloved. He woos her. And he promises to remain faithful. The book of Hosea reveals the character of God. It gives us a healthy understanding of the creator of the universe. And this is important because sometimes we have ideas about God that just aren't true. 
We may fear that God is going to turn his back on us each time we mess up. We may see God as an angry tyrant who is waiting to smite us for not getting it right. Sometimes we think of worship as this formula that we have to get exactly right for God to hear us. And if we don't do things in the right order or if we don't use the right wording in our prayers, then God's not going to be pleased. And none of this is true. God is is not eager to turn his back on us. God is faithful. God pursues Israel even though they have turned their backs on him. And God does not give up. He continues to love even when we mess up. And we learn that God is a God of grace. He is a God of love. He wants the best for us. And we see this in the book of Hosea. And so this morning, if you are holding a a wrong image of God or some wrong idea about God, then you need to put that behind you. There are many lies about God in this world. Uh, Satan wants us to believe these lies. He wants us to believe that, that God is angry and he does not love us. He wants us to see God as this tyrant. He wants us to believe that God is upset with us all the time. And he wants us to think that God is easily offended and he's just ready to leave us behind. But those are all lies. And what we discover in the book of Hosea is that God is a husband who desperately loves his bride, his people. And that he is faithful and that he is loving and that he's quick to forgive. And he is constantly pursuing the love of his life. We learn a little later in the book that God is a father who would do anything for his children. And that nothing can break the bonds of his love. And this is the God we serve. And although the focus in this text is on God, and especially uh, the character of God. We do learn something here about the people of God. And so, if God is the faithful husband who is always loving and, and always pursuing his spouse, then God's people are the prostitute. And that's shocking language. And the people who received this message would have been offended. And, you know, it's never a good thing to be called a harlot. And when we read this, we are tempted to read it as a historical document. We are afraid to, to let the text speak to us because of the implications. We feel like, like we have advanced and, and we're nothing like those people people in Hosea's day. And if that's the way we read the Bible, then we're not getting anything out of it. If the Bible is is just about those people back then and not about us, then it's no longer living. And we have to see ourselves in the text, and when we do, we might also be offended. We don't want to be called a prostitute. We don't want to receive a word of judgment 
You know, we, we like our lives just like they are. We don't want to change anything. We're good. But Hosea is a wake-up call. It was a wake-up call to the people of Israel, and it's a wake-up call for us today. Hosea is about love. It's about how God loves us, but it's also about how we love him. And so God's love runs deep, but ours can be shallow. God is a loving parent, but sometimes we act like an ungrateful child. God is a faithful spouse, but sometimes our love is like that of a prostitute. We're in the relationship just for what we can get out of it. You know, we take and we take and we take, but we only give back what we have to. And we do that begrudgingly. We show up for worship, but you know, our heart's not really in it. We're just checking it off the list, did that. We never talk to God. We never open up to Him in prayer. We never listen to what He says when we read His Word. We're present in body, but our mind is somewhere else. And it's a lopsided relationship. One is giving their all, and the other is barely giving. The most important command we have in the Bible is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And this needs to be our number one priority. This needs to be our primary focus. Getting baptism right is easy. But how's your relationship with God? Not murdering, you know, that's a piece of cake. But how much do you love the one who gives life? Showing up for worship is not that hard to do. But loving God with your whole self, that takes some effort. And so let me ask you a question. Where was your mind while we were worshiping this morning? What were you thinking about? You know, some people come to worship and all they can think about is what they don't like. You know, I don't like how so-and-so leads those songs. I don't like, you know, how so-and-so prays. I don't like what he said in the sermon. That's not worship. If all we can think about is what we like or what we don't like, then we are treating worship as if we are consumers. And it's all about us, and it's not about God. We are not loving God when we do this. Other people come to worship, and it's, you know, all about time. I want this to be quick. You know, let's get it over with. And I want to get out. I want to beat everyone to lunch. I don't want an extra song. I don't want that sermon to go too long. I don't want, you know, so-and-so to, to pray too much, you know. The point of the Sabbath in the Old Testament was to set Israel apart from the other nations. And so they did time differently. And so while everyone else was out working in the fields, the people of God rested and they honored God. The most important thing that we do with our time is to honor God. We love God. Not when we are stingy with our time, but when we freely give it to Him.
And so when we come together for worship, we should come as people who, who love God more than anything else. And we should sing like we really mean it. And we should pray believing that God hears our prayers and that it makes a difference in this world. And we should listen to God's word expecting our lives to change in some way. And if we leave worship and all we talk about is what so-and-so did or how much time it took, then we have failed. We have failed to love God and we have failed to give him what he deserves. But loving God is not just about worship. You know, worship's the easiest place for us to love God. But we're called to love God all the time. We're to love God with our entire being. The greatest command that Jesus gives us uh, there in, in Luke chapter 10 and other places, um, this was not a new command. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, a passage that was read to us this morning. It was part of a prayer that the Jewish people recited multiple times each day. They, they, they would say the same prayer um, throughout the day. Uh, they remind themselves of how important it is to love God every morning and every evening. They wrote it on their doorposts, and they were reminded of it every time they left the house, and they were reminded of it every time that they came home. And they took this command seriously. How would our lives change if we prayed this prayer every morning and every evening? What would happen if we remind ourselves each day that our duty is to love God and love our neighbors? How would our lives be different? Would we focus more on God and less on ourselves? Would we be kinder, more patient, less upset? Would we treat people differently? This is what God wants for us. But it can be tough. God says that our faith is like a marriage. We are in a relationship with God. He is the husband and we are his spouse. And if you know anything about marriage, then you know that it has its ups and downs. You know that, that marriage is not always about our wants and our desires. And if we insist on always getting our way then that marriage is not going to last. Marriage is about love. It's about commitment. It's about sacrifice. And when you've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years, then sometimes you need to be reminded of what it was like when you first got married. And God understands this. And so he says to Israel, Therefore, Behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of a core a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And so God comes to Israel and says, I want you to remember when you came out of Egypt. I want you to think back when I first made a covenant with you. 
I want you to remember your wedding day. Do you remember how excited you were? Do you remember how much you loved me? Do you remember the, the covenant that we made together on that day? Do you remember that? We all have a wedding day. And it was the day that we were baptized. And that was the day when we entered into a covenant with God. That was the day that we gave our lives to Him. Do you remember what that felt like? Do you remember how much you loved God on that day? Isn't it time that you reclaimed some of that excitement and love? Isn't it time to put aside all, all the silly things that are holding you back and start loving God with the fervor and energy on the day that you first came to know Him? He's waiting for you. He still loves you as much today as He did on the day that you gave your life to Him. He hasn't forgotten about you. In fact, He's been pursuing you this whole time. Each time you stumbled, he was there to pick you up. Every time that you had a doubt or a fear, he was there encouraging you. He loves you. He'll never stop loving you. And he only asks that we love him in return. And so don't leave here this morning without renewing your vows. Recommit your life to God. And promise to love him with every ounce of your being for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Dear, gracious, and merciful Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you and to commune with you at the table. We thank you for your holy word which shapes us and challenges us. And we're reminded this morning, Father, of your faithfulness. And how no matter what, you are always faithful to us. You're always ready to forgive. And we're reminded of your love and your grace, and your mercy. You are so good to us, Father. And we're reminded that we often fail, and that we don't always live up to our covenant, that we don't always live as saved people And we're sorry for that. And we ask for forgiveness. And Father, we ask you to help us as we recommit ourselves to you this morning. Help us be the Christians that you would have us to be. Help to form and shape our lives into the image of your Son. So that we might be lights in this community and lead others to Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.